Let us pray together. Gracious Lord, your word is a lamp for our feet, a light for our path. Open our ears, our hearts, our mind, our reason, that we might hear your word for us this day, that your Holy Spirit may touch us, and that we might leave worship changed people. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Our first scripture reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 28, found on page 67 in your Pew Bible. Listen for the word of the Lord to you. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Jesus, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture comes from Micah, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, which can be found on page 816 in the Old Testament portion of your pew Bibles. Let us continue to listen for God's word. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten tens of thousands of rivers of oil. Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. The words from Micah 6, 8 are the words that we use to sing as the children come forward. The song that we sing in here is a song that was important to me growing up. And I am grateful that every now and then that song will pop into my head and can lead me and guide me through my day. What does the Lord require? What does God want from me? Is this a question that you ask yourself? Maybe. Maybe not. 
I haven't heard anyone ask this exact question, what does the Lord require? But I have heard people say, gee whiz, I am just not meeting the mark. I think I am letting God down. Or, I wish I could do better. A lot of the times, this comes in the context about how often folks make it to church. I wish I could do better. Like the church member that I might run into at the hair salon, who seems to be trying to avoid me, but we catch eyes. I might be trying to avoid also, but because my hair looks funny. But anyway, we, we greet each other, and the words out of their mouth are, I'm so sorry, we have been so bad. We haven't been to church in so long. As if they feel like God is really disappointed in them, or they have really disappointed God. Or maybe the more intimate conversation with folks in a counseling situation where they share, they're pretty sure that God's disappointed with them because they have not been having the devotional time that they should. They have not been praying as regularly as they should. They have not been in Bible study or in church. Sometimes we struggle with how it is we think we have let God down. Our text from Micah today asks this question, what does the Lord require of me, of us? What does God want? Those few sentences we just read from Micah were written over 2,700 years ago. Those few lines forever changed the way people see and understand God and the way they view religion and its purpose, some pretty big stuff. When we look at this passage, we see the prophet Micah describing a courtroom scene. It's as if God's people are on trial, ordered to give an accounting, and they ask an important question. This question is like an Old Testament equivalent of asking What must I do to inherit eternal life? The question, what does the Lord require? When this question is asked, the folks of Micah's time might answer with what they expect the answer should be. What does God want? Well, of course, burnt offerings. Calves a year old should work. Or will the Lord be pleased with me if I bring rams, not just a few, but thousands of them? Or perhaps 10,000 rivers of oil will get a job well done. Or maybe God wants me to give my precious firstborn child. The God's of this time would expect such sacrifices. The understanding was that God wants our stuff, our most valuable stuff, and the more valuable the gift we sacrifice, the more pleased God will be. We are talking about 2,700 years ago, but it's not unlike what still happens sometimes today. Maybe an extreme example of that is when the 
you turn on the TV and see a televangelist promising their audience, if you send in $50 right now, God will bless you. And if you put your hand up on the screen, you might even get more of a blessing. We see this in our culture where if we give this sacrifice, then God will be satisfied. But in this passage, the tables are turned. Presbyterian pastor John Buchanan says, One of the greatest moments in the history of religious ideas happens. He calls it a theological sea change, a moment that will be defining for God's people, for Israel, and for followers of Jesus. Turns out, God doesn't want lambs, rams, oil, or your firstborn. No, God has told you what is good. Do justice. Love kindness. Walk humbly with your God. We can't buy God's love, or for that matter, God's approval, with sacrifices. God already approves of us. And God does so much more than approve. God loves us. What does God ask of us that we also would love? This God and what this God requires are so unlike all other gods or deities of the ancient religions. Now there is a new idea. God cares. God has a heart. God is involved with human life. Buchanan says, God cares particularly about and wants justice for the small, the weak, the vulnerable, the widows and orphans, the children and the stranger and the prisoner. This was, is a new and amazing idea of God, a God who cares And we, Christians, believe that this God continues to show up, showing up in Jesus Christ, God's love and compassion and caring and justice born among us. God loves, and what God wants from us is love. To love ourselves and to love one another. Love in action as justice kindness, and humility. Some folks say that these two texts, the texts that we read today from the Gospel of Luke and this one from Micah, can sort of summarize the Word of God, that these defining texts tell us so very much about who God is and what God wants. To love with all our whole self and to act just, kind, and with humility. Recently, I've been reading a lot by blogger, author, public speaker, child of God, Christian, uh, Glennon Doyle. She is most well known for her blog, Momastery, if any of you have read that. Glennon and her husband, Craig, wrote a letter to their son, Chase, 
In this letter, they are sharing with him their values and some of what they hope for him in this challenging world that we live in. She writes, Much of the Bible is confusing, but the most important parts aren't. Sometimes I wonder if folks keep arguing about the confusing parts so they don't have to get started doing the simple parts. So a long time ago, your father and I decided that if a certain scripture turns our judgment outward instead of inward, if it requires us to worry about changing others instead of ourselves, if it doesn't help us to become better lovers of God and life and others, if it distracts us from what we are supposed to be doing down here, finding God in everyone, feeding hungry people, comforting the sick and the sad, giving whatever we have to give, and laying down our life for our friends. If it distracts us from these things, then we assume we don't understand it yet, and we get back to what we do understand. I love this letter from Glennon to her son. It feels a little risky for me as a pastor to be in agreement with someone who is saying that there might be parts of the Bible that I don't understand. If that is the case, we focus on the parts we do understand. But I love this. I love recognizing that we are not to be distracted from what we are supposed to be doing down here. Finding God in everyone, feeding hungry people, comforting the sick and the sad, giving whatever we have to give, and laying down our lives for our friends. Sounds like justice, kindness, and walking humbly with our God. It reminds me of my beloved theology professor in seminary, Dr. Shirley Guthrie. I remember Shirley saying, and I didn't go back to find my notes to give him full credit, but I remember his saying that any exegesis of the Bible that doesn't end in love is a false exegesis. Dr. Guthrie was discussing the difficult text in the Bible, even text of terror, but he had determined after decades of scholarly study and pastoral ministry, that the final message of the Bible is love. God is love. Dr. Guthrie, a student of theologian Karl Barth, who is famous for his many, many books and his scholarly study of theology, Dr. Guthrie and Karl Barth after all that they had studied, had determined that maybe the most profound statement in all of theology is the one that says, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. This is what matters. This is what is most prominent. God loves and Jesus Christ came to walk among us as love. Love 
incarnate, love in the flesh. And so what are we required to do as Jesus' followers? We are also to love. And how do we love? By doing justice, by being kind, and walking humbly with our God. I remember this rule of thumb a lot of the times, and I'm often singing this song in my head. Sometimes I forget. And when that happens, I need my Bible to remind me. I need my community to remind me. I need God to remind me. Just recently, I was upset with a friend. I was hurt by something that was said. And I'll admit that my first reaction wasn't pretty. I was just about prepared to let this person know how very wrong they were and defend myself and my position. But thankfully, I waited. I paused. I prayed. And I considered what was the loving thing to do. I asked, what is fair? And how can I be kind? Kind both to myself and kind to this person. And what does it look like for me to walk humbly? By the grace of God, when I followed up and when I met with my friend, I was able to listen, to understand, to share my feelings, but in a kind way. And there was understanding. There was love. God requires that in first knowing God's love for us, first we know this, how much God loves us, we would then love. What if we were to practice letting this guide our understanding of who we are as people of faith, Christians, just for today? What if when we are faced with a situation, we ask, what is just, what is kind, and a humble way to respond? What if we pause and we pray and we ask God to help, knowing that God is love, and then loving like God loves? Today I invite us to meditate on these holy scriptures and to listen for what it is that the Lord requires of us, trusting that through and through we are loved and called to love one another. Let us pray. Lord God, we give you thanks for the instruction that you give us. And even before that, O Lord, we give you thanks for the love that you have for us, your children, your world. We pray, O God, this day for an understanding of that love deep in our bones, that we might share and show this love in your world. For it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen.